0: You're listening to the Manufacturing Ignition Podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice, and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello everyone, and welcome back to episode 11 of the Manufacturing Ignition podcast, hosted by my and my co-host Scott Buchanan. Morning, Terry. How you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. I'm doing well. I'm literally looking out the window at the moment, and there's a there's a snowstorm that's happening uh, out the back of the office. Oh, and are you not using that good shampoo of yours again, no? <laughs> yeah,
1: either that or it could be the ash cloud of Vesuvius drive. <laughs> you need to see that dog of yours, you need to give him a good wash sometimes mate because you know when all that dandruff comes out, you need to be careful. But um aye, the weather's uh it's
0: pretty uh it's full on today. Were you were you ready for it? Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. And and luckily luckily obviously I'm in the office this week because as you know last week I was all over the UK and Visiting uh, potential new customers and existing customers that we work with, and I'm glad that the snows came today rather than last week. Aye, well, the, 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 your eyesight's never the best, is
1: it, Terry? So, I uh, wondering how you'd be in the roads, but um, no, yeah. You know, the, the, the interesting thing is, I, I was—I um, wonder how the roads. I mean, I wasn't expecting so much snow. I mean, we've maybe got a couple inches here. Um, But I wonder how it is in terms of the the roads out there. And and actually, I I remember one year whereby I booked one of those uh, cheap flights over. to. I wanted to go away to a cold place for my holidays just for a long weekend in the middle of December before the the switch off period. And then it was the year of the big freeze. And I do remember trying to get from Glasgow to Edinburgh um, along the MA. And the MA literally was the ice rink full of, of potholes of ice. It was actually colder in Scotland than it was in Lithuania that year in the middle of December. Um, and the point there was when we got to Lithuania, you could drive around the roads, no bother at all. It was all safe, it was all no problems at all. And yet Scotland was just absolutely dangerous, um, just the way things were. So mm. it's it's all about planning, isn't it? And having the right tools and having the right um, people doing the right things. And yeah, in- interesting times. So it'll be interesting to see for our meeting later whether whether you can get out your, your driveway.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, we'll soon find out. Um, guys, so for those tuning in for the first time, both Scott and myself have been working within the manufacturing recruitment sector for over 15 years combined, and that's all within management and technical recruitment. And over the past few years, we've been building and growing our own business, which is Bonfire Recruitment, to be a leader in recruiting within the manufacturing sector across the UK. This week, Scott, we'll be covering, obviously, the latest news. We commencing the 15th of January. A specific hot topic on what's the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing, and uh, recruitment minute this week on the back of Blue Monday, which is a which is a load of garbage anyway. Looking for a new job, ma- how to maximize your social media presence. Wow. What's what's Blue Monday, Terry? That's a new one for me. Uh, do you want to know? Like uh, right, as I mentioned before, I've got no interest in. New Year's resolutions because 99% of them are now bust, which is ridiculous. The gyms have, you know, 10 times their gym membership, but literally now nobody's going, which is hilarious. And then now, when I looked at the news yesterday, Blue Monday. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, Blue Monday, Black Friday. I mean, really, Blue Monday is meant to be the most depressing day of the year, Scott. are absolutely... Everyone wants to change jobs, everybody wants to be ah, you know. Yeah, right, uh, got
1: you.
0: I mean it's it's a load of garbage, but at the end of the day today what we will go through if you are looking for a new job on the Black and Blue Monday, uh, whether this is Red Tuesday or whatever you want to call it, we will <laughs> take you through Maximising your social media presence.
1: Okay, so you can hammer in. Right, got you. No, I've heard of that before. I didn't know it was yesterday. Do you know? I was actually in a good mood yesterday. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's. uh, How does that work? So people. So I I guess is that just a media thing, or is that based on stats? You know, like my stats. Is that based on job sites saying? Do you know what? There's you know an extra fifty percent of you know employees looking for for work that day. I
0: don't know. Or is it sickies? Is it maybe pulling people pulling time off work? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I think it's a mixture of everything. To be honest, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to think about it too much because a lot of rubbish. Anyway. Yeah, I just feel a, I feel a
1: sore head coming on. I think it's maybe Pink Tuesday. I'm thinking whether. I don't know whether I can continue. Yeah. You.
0: Pink, pink, pink's your
1: favourite
0: colour, Scott. Well. <laughs> anyway, let's catch on. Let's catch on. Yes. Let's go. Okay, so. This week's Manufacturing Ignition latest news commencing the 15th of January. Scott, what's the latest news out there
1: this week? Well, continuing on the, the serious note that we've been focusing on this morning so far, there was a, a serious incident with a lorry blaze that left 17 tonnes of gammon spread across the road. Um, and
0: now- <laughs> Hold on, hold on. A, a blaze set 17 so leaves seventeen tons of gammon spread across the road. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I and the lorry's hold on, the lorry's on fire, so the gammon's actually cooking. <laughs> well, it, it, it looks as though someone—I don't know whether
1: by chance it was a, it was an articulated lorry, and I wonder if there was a, a, a by chance a fruit lorry next to it, where they could have got maybe some pineapple to go with it. I don't know, or <laughs> maybe some eggs. Um, no, the, the fire involved <laughs> an articulated <laughs> an trailer with a fridge in it, contain approximately 17 tonnes of packaged meat. Um, about 50% of the trailer and the contents were severely damaged. So burnt, burnt to a crisp, uh, slightly overdone. <laughs> well,
0: well, well done. Well done, Gammon. Ah. Excellent. Do you know what has got? That's on the back of. I, I remember seeing a couple of weird things last year, actually, that made me laugh on a on a, on a, on a random blue Monday morning, no doubt. Where, it, where in August, I remember in August that there was a... A lorry collision on the M5. Right. Um, and the lorry collided with a caravan and it left 24 tonnes of flipper strewn oh, man. across the motorway. What? I know. So, so we, we're we worried about the, the snow that's happening around. That was literally probably people thought snow was happening in the middle of August. Well, that, that is <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Well, that one there—it was down in, um, I think, it was down Devonway on the A30 um, near Oak Campton. But um, here, Terry, do you remember one of the earlier podcasts we did? Where we were talking about the automotive automation piece, whereby it was almost like the lorry trains. I forget the the actual buzz buzzwords for it, but nearby um, oh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, you...
1: yeah, yeah I... And I wonder—you know—these types of accidents. I wonder whether they would actually happen going forward
0: if it was a computer driving the, the truck. Do you know that way? That was uh, that was podcast one, Scott. That was the automated vehicle one year I remember. That. I can't
1: remember what it was called again. The, yeah, yeah do you remember show. yeah, but you've got almost like a train of lorries, self, you know, self controlled, I guess, um, driving pretty close together and um aye, I wonder if those types of things would, would happen. But um yeah, um suffice to say, um yeah, if you wanted a gammon steak, um that was probably a good place to be on the A thirty um <laughs> back in back at the turn of the year. There we go, eh. Moving on. Um, um, yep. sorry. The humanoid collaborative robot joins Okado Workforce. Did you see this one?
0: I did, I, did, I read this this morning because I find that really interesting. And you know, obviously is an online grocery firm, but a lot of their um they've got warehouses that are automated. Yeah. Um and from reading about this, what they've what they've um invested in is a prototype robot called Armour and, 6 and, and what it's actually designed to do is to help maintain the systems within their automated warehouses right um, and, and and honestly Scott have you seen this news
1: I'm, lo- I'm looking at it I'm looking at it just now it looks a bit like you on a blue Monday to be fair
0: What <laughs> oh, is it uh, got, obviously, if, if he's getting a chance, guys, uh, have a wee search. Just put in <laughs> humanoid or cuddle into Google, and this this thing is unbelievable.
1: It's <laughs> got the it's it, tell you, Terry. It's got no, the wee lanky lanky legs
0: and lanky arms, and the, the you know the eyes and peaky exactly, nose and, and, oh. and, <laughs> and blah blah. I get it, I got it. Right, okay, but it's uh, do you know what actually? I, I was I was hoping and I was expecting it to be. Uh, remember in Robocop. It used to have the big robot, no, no actual Robocop itself, but there was a big, massive what, robot in one of the films. Right. I can't remember what film it was or whatever. I just pictured it to be a massive, big unit, okay. like Transformer. Yeah, that was <laughs> about this automated warehouse in a cargo. But the reality was that it was a wee Blue Monday Is a wee blue ferry
1: walking about. <laughs>
0: walking about. Um, it,
1: looks, um, it, looks, it looks as though it's getting its eye on things, doesn't it? It looks as though it's going to be doing it. So what is the point of it? So what is that robot's job? What is um, Armour's so, job? So,
0: so, so, from my, so from my understanding, it's going to be um, it's more of like a collaborative robot where it's going to be working closely with uh, technicians, and what it, what it actually what it's actually going to do is learn as it goes, so it's more so the robot will learn through observation, and that'll be obviously watching and working with the sort of technicians in there. So you know any task that requires sort of higher level of precision or any physical strength that's not able to be done by a human worker, this is when it would be armor, big armor steps big, in, bigger big, big armor takes over. That's well, that's separate.
1: And then that, that ties in. I remember um, one of the first times I really saw a warehouse, an automated warehouse was, a, 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 I'll, I'll keep the name of the company out, but it was, it was a, an, a brand new facility about 10 years ago in Cumbernauld area. Um, and it had a massive warehouse for a lot of, um, of, of drinks cans. And um, yeah. at that point, you couldn't see the top, of where, you know, of where the you know the, the palette or wherever um, it was going. And the gent I was with um basically said, what, what do you fancy? And he literally typed it into the computer and off went the robot to go and you know to go and find it. So it's amazing what, what can happen um out of that. And I guess having one of these robots um to keep I guess the others in check is probably a good idea. A big robot supervisor. That's what we need. That's what we need. What that's be- that's
0: that's the guy at a Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, but I also, Scott, as we've been jibbering on, in the, you know, over the past weeks and weeks about robotics and automation and embracing, you know, this is just going to get more and more and the companies that are going to embrace us sooner are going to benefit, you know, they're going to be learning quicker. Develop their processes and their systems quicker to that so yeah yeah i think so, i
1: think, think the opportunity it? the opportunity for companies is i think there was a perception before whereby you, you 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 were buying something that you didn't know the output of so it was almost like a prototype scenario whereby you know it's a sci-fi scenario where look it might work rather than it does work yeah. do you know that way and I think yeah. now there's so many examples that we've certainly seen and, um, you know, that the, the world, it's probably plenty that we haven't seen that actually embracing this technology and making it work for you. So, yes, it's probably there's a scalable investment there, but actually it's the, you know, the output of that whereby it will you know, help help your business and, and I guess, help the upskilling of, of employees within your business and make them enjoy their work more as well.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. And uh, moving on to point three Point three, yeah. Point point news. Point three. So, three D video phone calls are possible through existing wireless networks, apparently. So, what does that mean? Well, right now we FaceTime, and it's a two D picture. But a group of um, researchers in California have uh, developed to do like a three D video call. Pretty awesome when you think about it, Scott, because imagine, you know, if if you have a virtual team or you, you know, or, you know, you have sales people who work for, who are home based, you know, we are are recruiting for a packaging company at the minute that's looking for a national sales manager that can be based anywhere, then literally this person could actually go into a board meeting and be a part of a 3D call.
1: Yeah. Indeed, and, and that's the way, well, this again, we touched on this before, whereby a lot of sales, I'm aware of it in medical device manufacturing, um, or companies rather, whereby their sales force now, a lot of the fuel-based stuff has been taken, or the pharmaceutical piece rather, has um, been taken away from, as one would know as the reps, whereby instead now it's done via the computer and there's actually a central hub. Um, and I guess that again could be you know you become a, a pro at, at doing your kind of board meeting or your meeting with your client um, in three D world, which is uh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible. Um, and
0: I must say, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think
1: I was ju- I was just yeah,
0: going to think I think then, sorry, Scott.
1: No, I was just going to say uh, along the lines he, he touched on FaceTime and um, you know FaceTime for me has always been the most reliable method of doing you know the, the video calling so far, and the others always seem to be. You know that the, I think the challenge of the three D scenario is to make sure that the reliability. Do you know that way? Because there's nothing worse than actually where the you know the connection dips or you you lose someone's face or you lose someone's voice, um, so you can't actually conduct your meeting. So hopefully that the, they'll focus in on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, and you, you, you and, and I know obviously the, you know, the next step is five G to replace our existing four G network. And and looking into that, that's going to allow you, obviously more data to be sent between devices faster and more accurately. So that's going to benefit the sort of reliability of that. As I say, you know, this isn't something that's that's this is sort of early days research sort of level, but something that's interesting and it's yeah, know, it's going to happen.
1: It's going to happen. well soon, babe, we'll be up eight hundred Gs shortly this time next year. Will be an eight hundred G no doubt with uh, with Arma maybe leading the way and how to do a phone call. Who
0: knows? So. Uh, so 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 a lot of a like now sixty five, whatever it's on now, probably now hundred and twenty now, uh, Remember 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 the album you used to buy at the shop? Uh, right, it was now now eighty five and stuff like that's, that, still going, that's still going. That's still going. I know I know I I that I see that at Christmas and I thought who is still going into the shop and buying now. Um aye, ah, it's um it's certainly something there now. Maybe something that's going through blue monday. Exactly. Maybe it's the blue monday
1: folk. Now if you, you get a wee bit of volume here, I'm just um I've just found something, Terry, you'll never believe this. Do you remember the Pepsi Challenge? Do you remember that? Are you old enough? Are you young enough or old enough to remember the Pepsi mm-hmm. Challenge? Right. The Pepsi Challenge was whereby you had a can of Pepsi and a can of Coca-Cola and they covered them up. And they asked the the public to, to to guess what one was the I guess it was a Pepsi <laughs> rather than
0: that's not even a that, that, that's not even a challenge us like easy like Coke's definitely different from Pepsi anyway I'm digressing I will yeah. th- they've done the same with the new Iron Brew
1: <laughs> so they've actually got out into the streets Iron Brew I've, uh, in case you haven't heard um, they've changed the well they've had to change the the recipe. To reflect the, the sugar content in their in their mixture, and they went out in the streets to find you know what what, what the, the the public reaction would be, and it turns out on the initial survey that one of the newspapers did um, that it was like one in ten hit rate, so that the, the, it was one person out of ten could guess what the, the 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 new version was. They could taste the difference to the original. Which um, I guess from you know some of the work you you know you specifically do, Terry, actually from the technical piece and actually trying to get recipes and the innovative product development. I guess for for food manufacturing companies, I mean that is quite a no mean feat to be able to get that kind of level of start there. So have you have you have you tried the new have you tried the new stuff yet, Terry? Have you, I don't know if it's officially out.
0: Do you know what I quite like the sugar free stuff? Um, I quite like the sugar free or Coke Zero or whatever it's called. And, I, and I've tried the, the Iron Brew Sugar Free and I do like it. I feel, I feel these sort of sugar free products, you feel less, I don't know, rubbish after drinking it. <laughs> um, just to put it quite bluntly, yeah. I, 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 I do feel that way. And, and, and for those tuning in who don't know what Iron Brew is, it's a strange orange drink worshipped by Scottish folk. And it's proven in various medical chambers to cure hangovers. <laughs> um, so that, that, I, only, think that kind of gets It, it used thing. to be, I don't know if this is still the
1: case, it used to be the only, with the exception of Coca Cola or Pepsi, it was, I think it was at Russia, um, it's actually managed to else outsell a Pepsi Cola or Coca Cola, um, I believe, because of that, exactly what you're saying there, um, because of the sugar content. I, mean, I bet. I, I,
0: the Russians are pretty, pretty similar to this. Do it and uh, and love a drink. Uh, do you know forty two thousand people have
1: signed an uh, an online petition opposing the move to cut the sugar content, which is is incredible. Forty two thousand people saying don't change, don't change Iron Brew. So there we go. So it looks as though that um, it's nothing. It, 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 they've cut the sugar and it tastes the same. So hey, we'll, we'll, we'll time will tell. Eh? See how we get on.
0: Exactly, and I think that wraps up obviously our latest news week commencing the fifteenth of January. So we'll move on to this week's Hot Topic. On this episode of the Manufacturing Edition Hot Topic, we're going to discuss what is the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing? What do you think, Scott?
1: Best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing? Now, this clearly on some of the other podcasts we've looked at, we've, we've reviewed some of the challenges facing. Was it the back end of last year, wasn't it? Sort of back October, November last year. Where we looked at actually probable challenges facing manufacturing in 2018 and beyond. And, and one of the things that we identified there was actually the, the skill sets and actually getting both young work or younger workers um, and the female workforce involved that, you know, as part of an integral part of manufacturing as well. So I think it's certainly something, it's a huge competition, isn't it? When you're that age, you know, it's it's actually trying to I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was thirty <laughs> Do you know that
0: way? So I, I was I was just trying Scott, you took the words out of my mouth there. Do you know that? What did you want to be when you were at school? Let's put it out there. What did what did Scott Buchanan want to be when he yeah, was at school? Well, I, I used to be able
1: to run. Um so I wanted to be, you know, the, the a good runner, which Mo Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not, not quite as good as that. But do you know that way you weren't interested in I was certainly never interested in Thinking as far ahead to, to having the, you know, the mortgage and actually wanting, you know, all the, the nicer things that, that we all strive for. Do you know that way? And and you, you had quite a unique background, didn't you? You ended up, what is it you did again? You went to the, you were
0: in the Navy, were you not? What have I not done, Scott? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, I, I what did I what to do? I was going want to be a scientist when I was at school. Which is quite funny, actually. Um, <laughs> and then I went and worked in an office, and then I joined the navy. Was in the navy for five years, and then became a fishing guide. And then, yeah, all well done. Manufacturing recruitment, yeah. It's uh,
1: and this is a point, isn't it? It's about where you know one of the reasons I love my job um, and enjoying doing what I, I'm doing because you, you get exposed to so many different. I was speaking to a client yesterday, actually, saying exactly the same thing around you know. the 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 beauty and the variety that we get exposed to on a daily basis do you know that way within manufacturing the different skill sets different challenges each organization may be facing and then working out solutions accordingly do you know that way so i guess from an uh, attraction of employees to their business you know and actually uh, even from an industry perspective into manufacturing is here we go again the government you know doing enough to attract people over I know certainly locally, um, the universities, if I go back, it wasn't that long ago, maybe five years ago or so, there was no actual interaction between the university and, um, you know, a manufacturing organisation or very, very little, Do you know, that way. So um, we were getting candidates coming through, you know, with a good degree, with a good, you know, exposure to engineering or manufacturing or, or, or management, and yet they didn't have any experience level. To allow them to actually to step in to do that do you know that way and obviously from a, a recruiting perspective and from the company's point of view the company's going well you know f- we need the experience so it's the vicious circle isn't it of of the experience of someone being able to walk in and do the job versus the training the mentoring the, the development and then I guess identifying the right type of talent for that role at the younger age do you see and and these are all the, the the things that are going on and i guess if it was you know a bit more emphasis and to be fair to a lot of the universities i'm aware of um they, they are now trying certainly trying to working and encouraged to be working with manufacturing companies and engineering companies and and, and the likes to to make sure that, that that's happening but um
0: yeah, yeah I, I think i think looking at it from so so with the question what's the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing you know last year three quarters of manufacturing companies were concerned about the uh, an aging workforce. And there, that's uh, and also a different report showed that forty-three percent of companies considered skill shortages a major challenge in the sector. Yeah. So putting two and two together, we need to encourage more, you know, more children and uh, young adults, teenagers to have a, an interest in manufacturing. Now, Scott, when I was at school and and this is at school and even up to university, right? If somebody says about manufacturing to me, automatically what I thought was somebody starting making a product, right? And that's what it was. Actually, the more the you know, once you step into manufacturing, you find out there's a massive opportunity in there with different roles, different opportunities, different career prospects, and it's a very, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very all-encompassing
1: opportunity. Yeah, and and actually, Terry, we've got clients actually that that look at that that actually look at our website and look at what we do, i.e. manufacturing and recruitment, and assume that all we would do is production management or similar. Do you know that way? Um, yeah, don't actually appreciate well. that we actually cover all the technical disciplines, <laughs> all the sales forces, yeah, directorship, exactly. the senior management teams quality and quality. So Finance, HR, ah, you know, you name it. Manufacturing you know. is part of it. And, you know, it's, it's exactly
0: that. It's education. It's just, it's an educational piece, actually, yeah, yeah. of association. Yeah. And I think if if I'm wrapping up, you know, when when, when I'm thinking about, and this is me personally, and I know this is probably a stereotypical thing, but, you know, that stereotypical thing is the reason why most people don't want to get into manufacturing is they probably rate it as low pay. They think of maybe poor conditions within a factory environment. You automatically, as soon as you say the word factory, you automatically think of steelworks or something like that. That's what no,
1: I do. Anyway.
0: Nothing wrong with the steel then, works, uh, Terry. Nothing wrong with the steel works. Uh, no, def, definitely no, but but you think of that sort of you know, hot flames, quite quite dirty type environment when you're actually thinking of like the 60s, 70s or whatever, you know. And then actually, you know, you, you think of the work as being very monotonous as well. You know, that's automatically what 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 what, what most people think. So it's actually you know, when you're putting that together, you know, low pay, so actually giving people an education at bench, benchmarking against other industries. I mean, finance, you know, law, IT, etc., manufacturing is well there, you know, especially at a senior level. It's certainly there. You know, so I think it's more an education into uh, you know, the the career opportunities in manufacturing. And that's yeah, you're right. And it's about the
1: opportunity that that that's there. Do you know that way? It's about making sure the the opportunity allows things to happen, do you know, that way? And I think how do you do that though, Terry? How do we actually get you know, people's awareness up around where, where we can go. Is it from the schools? Is it from the universities? Is it from the apprenticeship schemes? Is it from the brands and the association that actually to be, I don't know, the Coca Cola rep or the, let's do steel mill, you know, you say, uh, you know, an aluminium factory whereby actually you could have any, you know, the, 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 the opportunities um, are there. And I, I know certainly yeah. some, some of the financial work that we've done whereby we'll, we'll, we've actually, we get, you know, business from I guess people wanting to leave the you know practice and go into industry. Do you know that way? Um, and that's where you know that there's there's certainly talent there that that, um, that that you know that you know I guess people have found that they actually get bored, even accountants getting bored within your know, practice and actually oh, want to use 100%. the. I,
0: I, I think I think a lot of people watch uh, programs like Suits, and then what they want to be is Harvey Specter out of Suits, and and be the corporate lawyer who's dealing with all the big boys and getting involved with everything and just being a cool guy. Well, actually you don't have that sort of uh, comparison within manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't have a sort of cool TV episode that goes through (laughs) manufacturing and actually the life of somebody within manufacturing. So I think to go back to the question, what's the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing and how So firstly, what we need to do is actually reverse the negative perceptions, being, you know, that it's a low paid industry, that there's poor conditions and it's quite monotonous work. Um, So we're focusing on first, let's go through three stages, Scott. Let's go through how do we encourage more children to be interested in possibly pursuing a career in manufacturing? Mm -hmm. Teenagers, how do you encourage teenagers to, to tailor their education? Towards manufacturing, mm-hmm. and then finally the sort of millennials, which is people born within the eighties and nineties, which is uh... Scott. When were you born, actually? Uh, you know, uh, I'm others? a I'm a seventies kind of guy. Are you? Right,
1: okay, so uh, I've okay, I've well. got the I've got the um, big long collars going on. Uh, okay. you don't even get that. Did um, you? you didn't actually understand what I was saying there
0: because you're that young. Uh, no. Nah. How old are yeah, you? Nah. right. Well, I'm not really that young. I'm thirty-one. Yes, ah, man. Nineteen, nineteen eighty-six. So I am classed as a millennial. So I will, <laughs> I will be in probably the best shape to discuss <laughs> how to attract me into manufacturing. Everyone's, so anyway,
1: everyone's get visions of that art car ro- robot thinking of you. <laughs>
0: uh, it's true. Right. So, 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 to, to, so, how, how do we encourage more children to be interested in manufacturing? And, and, and that's probably coming to my head, Scott. You know. Me and you've both been invited to a local school to discuss manufacturing next month. And it got me it got me thinking how do you how do you spread the word in schools? And I think what, what it's required is actually more manufacturing professionals visiting schools and discussing the sector um and answering questions, you know, and you know, possibly inviting school trips into a factory in a safe environment. And that could be, you know, anything that's sort of groundbreaking, like you know, making the aircraft carriers to, you know, food factories. You know, it's just, it's, you know, children getting involved in that sort of stuff Perry, to see how, you're, how their suits are You're spot on. You're absolutely
1: spot on. And, and it's maybe a certain type of person like this, but I, I'll never forget. And one of the reasons I'm doing, and I've done this job for over 11 years now, is the day I was standing inside uh drinks factory where I'm looking at a canning machine at that point it was only doing 75,000 can lids an hour and the can lids were all over the ceiling do you know that way and then that same afternoon I'm standing in one of the uh, the, the naval bases I'm standing next to a uh, uh, sat sounds like Kevin's going for a walk there Terry or have you fallen through the window uh, again
0: no it is Kevin he's, he's decided to wake up <laughs> <laughs> so we've got him to contend for the next half. The oh, it sounds think. good,
1: but yeah. So that in that afternoon, I'm standing next to a nuclear submarine, and you know, in a, in a naval base, which is incredible. So, you know, and and that's you know, if you if you were a, if in that, I think there's too many. I don't know whether it's parenting or schooling. Whereby it's almost like beating someone over the back, you know, back of the head with a stick, saying, you know, because you're a doctor or your dad's a doctor, you'll become a doctor. Do you know that way or a lawyer whatever it happens to yeah. be? And don't get me wrong, there's a place for that, but actually being able to know what alternatives are open to you, do you know that way? Um, is 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 absolutely there? And 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 one of the, the the challenges we have from a CV perspective is actually, and we see it all the time, don't we? Whereby you know. I, especially at the senior level, whereby someone's done the job for the, a, a decent length of time. And then they're saying, look, Scott or Terry, we, we want to do, I want to do something different. Do you know that way? I never actually really enjoyed myself. Do, I didn't want to be doing this role, but it's, I've kind of found myself in it. Do you know that way? So if we could actually have a workforce that was actually wanting to be in it for the
0: right reasons, then there's a good chance that everyone will be actually doing a lot better. Exactly, and I know there's a lot of STEM programs that are happening as well. But even just introducing sort of fun educational games around manufacturing that might be even engineering based as well, and it's actually planting some seeds. in I mean, the best—if you look at the best marketing, the best business, and probably globally, and how they market their business, everybody remembers going to McDonald's for their birthday party when they were younger. That was a cool thing to do. <laughs> Funny enough, the guy who is Ronald McDonald, what is he? He's a clown that's attractive to, you know, it's actually reaching out to the younger generation where what you build is brand association and what you build is an affiliation with McDonald's and, you know, putting all that together, you grow up with that brand affiliation or that business sort of type of model and then you actually go there, you know, and you actually remember, oh, you had parties when you were younger you actually just grow up with that sort of thing, but does
1: that make sense, Scott, because I'm kind of... No, on, but, but I'm smiling here because although I was a 70s kid, I still... I was a late 70s kid, but the you're right with the McDonald's. And actually, in my era, Terry, it was Wimpy. It was the... I don't, don't even know if you know of Wimpy. Which
0: you I do, I do. I remember, I remember it being garbage, so, <coughs> I, I, well, that's, that's my opinion.
1: Anyway. But it was, yeah, and they had a big kind of, in fact, you're right, I can, I know that McDonald's is a clown. I think the Wimpy was Mr. Wimpy, wasn't it? He was kind of a, a dressed up burger or, or similar, so,
0: aye, association. But it is, but it is it's association, and what it's doing, it's actually promoting a brand to, you know, to, to you know, cause at the end of the day it's fast food, children don't have any money to buy food and what. I- you know, children to parents to take them there and whatever else. But I'm I, I I'm 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 getting off topic slightly, but I think it's a valid point in the basis of actually if you have got manufacturing in front of young people and they can actually see that and be able to put you know put that into perspective with what manufacturing look like, you're going to have a lot more buy into not a brand, you but know, actually buy into the sector. Do you know what it is as well, Terry?
1: A lot of the manufacturing that Kids will have been seen, will have been from footage taken of a different era. All right. So the number of times, that, oh, yeah. do you know, that way in the association will have been, you know, factory equals, you know, tens of thousands of workers, you know, grafting away to put a screw on a, a bit of metal or, or whatever it happens to be on a, a you know, a production line. You know, things have so dramatically changed from those days in most companies, not all companies, but most companies. Do you know that way? And and there's a bit of um, just making sure that, the, that there's you know a bit more media on the modern stuff, um, you know, to get people people interested.
0: A hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, similar for teenagers, Scott, I think it's more about an education on the career opportunities so that it can tailor the right subjects. But, but- Towards us. And that's on the basis, of course, Terry.
1: That a, the, you know, the the, the the teenagers are going to school, um, and secondly, are actually wanting to work. Because I know when I was that age, you know, whether you know you'd rather be having fun rather than thinking about what you're going to be doing when you're you're, you're 31 or whatever age you are. Because <laughs> that's maybe bigger that's maybe something that even we
0: can't um, fix. But um, well, aye, it's a challenge. I don't know. I don't know because I remember when I was at school and I was very motivated with regards to your know, exams and whatever else and I I remember selecting so the co- sort of key subjects you know I think we got to select six subjects or something like that and maths and English is always one but actually I picked graphical design and craft design mm-hmm. now graphical designs obviously you know like a draftsman you know um, drawing buildings and all that sort of stuff and whatever else and designing buildings which obviously now done on CAD and whatever else these days but and then the, the second one was craft and design, which was actually building, you know, whatever, a metal, wood and all that sort of stuff in craft. So literally for my exam, I had to build a long ship. And that thing was like maybe <laughs> six feet long, literally six feet long and about five feet high That's a when you put the sail on it. So it was amazing, right? And you were actually bending the wood around there. But do you want to know what? See if I reflect back on when I was at school and that. How long ago was that? 15 years ago, right? maybe a wee bit longer than that, six, 16 years ago, whatever. Um, when I was at school, it was all very good. I, I wanted to do those subjects because of an engineering context. But actually, when I reflect back on I had no idea what these subjects would benefit me in a, as a career.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I would automatically find craft and design being joiner. And I would automatically find graphical, graphics design being, obviously, a draftsman. But actually putting that into perspective and how that adapts into a manufacturing environment, both these types of subjects where you're building, you're repairing, you're maintaining, you know, there just should be a lot more education into the actual career prospects with the actual subjects that you pick. And obviously math's been a big one for engineering, et cetera. But actually English is just as important, you know. You know, when you're, you know, from a senior management level and moving into university and and studying for masters and degrees and all that sort of stuff and the amount of degrees and opportunities that there is for manufacturing as well you know i, th- I think a lot m- maybe it's changed scott maybe we're just maybe a wee bit behind the times but i do feel a lot more could be done to highlight
1: and so- I-, I think there should be we know there's bodies for representing the well actually maybe it is these bodies you know the eef representing english manufacturing similar for scotland as well Whereby we should have a body, you know, encouraging, and maybe they are. Maybe it's just, I guess, we've not heard of it, you know, encouraging, you know. So which, which,
0: which is, which is another thing because we are quite close to the pulse of manufacturing. Yeah, well. I'm
1: just thinking, I'm thinking of any fairs or work fairs we've been at, and, and the big boys are there, you know, see so your BAE Systems or your Jacobs or your, um, not Jacobs, uh, Ed you know, the big, big companies are there. Green uh,
0: uh, Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so the
1: big companies are there, but actually, who's representing, you know, the SMEs or the medium sized businesses out of them, do you know, that way, that actually could, could tempt them into manufacturing? Because it's, it's, it's a, you know, I guess it's the greater good of the UK economy. But actually, you know, the the roles would be a lot different as well than some of the big boys. Do you know that way? There's a lot more of a, there's a lot more autonomy, a lot, lot more variety um, in a smaller company than there can be in the, the bigger company. So,
0: aye, there's um, exactly. there's plenty to look at, isn't there? And I think I think just to wrap up, Scott. Obviously, the important ones, millennials, which is obviously people born in the eighties and nineties. Historically, obviously, what I've kind of seen is manufacturing companies have brought people in, put them into certain functions, and then you would stay there until you know you get fed up or you know you screamed out that you wanted out. You know that's the kind of stereotypical, and then you know it's generation after generation working within the same factory, uh, which is all good. But the reality is, obviously, in a skill sh- in a skill shortage, um, that forty three percent of manufacturing you know, companies says uh, they find is a major challenge. How how are they going to attract the best people? And I'll tell you why, Scott, and I'll tell you why we're talking about millennials, is that actually did you know that by the year twenty twenty five, which is seven years away, oh, right? My goodness. Ma- millennials will make up seventy five percent of the entire workforce.
1: Wow. Oh, that's a scary
0: thought, isn't it? Does that mean I'll be retired then? <laughs> Mm. That's, a, that's a bold statement, but you know, see at the end of the day, so I, I'm going to give you my view, Scott, if that's all right, I'm going to give you my view, and I think, f- you know, at the end, you're late 80s, does not it, late, 79, 79. Yeah, so, God, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> but I, I
1: think,
0: so how 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 would somebody attract me into the manufacturing company? And, uh, you know, so, firstly... The first thing that I would do, if I was going for an interview, if I was looking at a company, the first thing I'd do is look at, I would look at their website, I would go into my mobile, I'd search their website, I would also go into the Glassdoor as well, and if anybody doesn't know what Glassdoor is, Glassdoor is, so it's glassdoor.com, you can search any company, and it'll give you an ex-workers and current workers review of the workplace, if you've not done it already, go in and search your company on there, it's quite interesting. Luckily, I've only got Scott. So if Scott put up a review, we kind of know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's important that you bring your website into 2018. It's no good just throwing something up there. It's actually having something that interacts. People want to see people that work within the factory. So, yeah. you know, get a testimonial. Get a video of your ops manager or your MD and actually promoting the business. Yeah. You know, all these sort of stuff. That kind of strikes to me that it's, it's a forward-thinking, ambitious, dynamic-type environment. What I don't want to see is somewhere that's actually been done in WordPress that looks as if it was built in the 1980s when I was born, and you find, God, on a wee minute here, you know, is a really good career opportunities for me? as an the investment going on? In? Because you can't invest in a website what chance. of you get investing in the top machinery uh, and the top
1: process, it's about um, virtual uh, virtual perception, eh? Can you literally yeah, exactly the, uh, virtual? Well, virtual or online perception, and um, making sure that your brand yeah, is reflective. Th-
0: yeah, and exactly, and I think that does help me build up your brand image because everybody wants to work with your typical companies that they've grew up with. You know, so Coca Cola. Every Christmas, you see it on adverts. You know. Kellogg's, you've always at Kellogg's as your cereal. These are brands that people are brought, being brought up with. You know, as a millennial, you know, you want to work with those type of companies because you see them as the forward thinking. The reality is, if you're a small, dynamic, nimble business bringing out new products and putting a lot of investment, you've got far more that you can potentially offer someone from a career experience and development opportunity. Therefore, get that and shout it out, you know, get that brand out there, make it positive. And what you'll do is you'll attract the best people because people see an opportunity to quickly develop their careers, gain new experience and and work with a growing business, which would be far more attractive for me than what it would be than working with a big blow chip. That's not to say chips, you know, nothing against that sort of stuff. It's not that at all, but it's actually how does a smaller business attract the best talent out Yeah, there? because the blue chips are already doing it, because they've already got the brand. And a
1: structure and offering, and the, the, the financial backing to allow them to do that because they know that by having a graduate scheme or having more apprentices coming through the ranks, then, you know, that, that they will, based on their attrition, it should be able to keep them and develop them throughout the ranks. Do you know that way?
0: Yeah, and uh, offering good training and support as well. You know, if you're taking on someone from university and they want to complete their master's or they want to do an MBA and it's actually someone that could be a future leader within your business, yeah. make sure that that's, made out pretty clear and you can protect yourself as a business by putting in a clause of if you leave within a certain period of time you'd have to pay back your training costs and that's fair, fair enough you know that Yeah, you, you know there's, there's protection there as well and what you do get is buy in from that individual because you're investing in their future you're investing in their education which has clearly been important if they've you know went to university and did X, Y and Z.
1: Sorry to, this, this this is relevant but it's slightly it's it's relevant from a reputational perspective. Just you talking about um, education, there. We had an example this week whereby by there's a gent that's um, he's studying at the moment. I mean, one of these exams, and he'd handed his notice in um, just before Christmas. And this this is with uh, you now I recognise respectable and good company. And what what's actually happened is the company, because he's handed his notice in, is refusing to give him the time off for sitting his exam. <laughs> so actually, when that, I so when that chap, you know, leaves, you know, he's he's now leaving with whatever perception that is. Do you know that way? So I think companies also need to remember that what what people, um, people that are leaving their company for whatever reason, do you know that way? What perception are they leaving that organisation with? Because when there's a skill shortage, or when you can't actually, you know, for, everyone's fighting for the same level of talent, then. You know, what what what, what perception um, is is getting left out there and, and that, that chap there now was really grateful initially for being allowed to, to do his studies whilst you know, whilst working and he worked his hours accordingly. But now he's leaving feeling for crying out loud he's he's, he's actually having to do a reset and he's not even sat the first one, you know, that way. So so, so but no but it's it ties in with what you're saying in terms of reputation of you know the company, um, you know, good or bad, is actually totally relevant for 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 what the you know what they're trying to attract, and it's about the development thereof, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think you know that's a key thing. Just to kind of wrap that up, Scott. So we went through some good information there. we have rambled on a little, but I think Aye. it's been very very worthwhile. And it's uh, we've, well, hopefully we've hit home a few points. It actually gave you a good a good uh, perspective from from ourselves and uh, you know how to attract people into manufacturing let's move on to the recruitment minute. Uh, So we're going back on uh, what we were saying earlier. So on this episode of the Manufacturing and Nation Recruitment Advice, we're going to discuss on the day after Blue Monday, looking for a new job, how do you maximise your social media presence online? Uh, On Pink Tuesday. Pink Tuesday, yeah. So if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, this is targeted towards an individual looking for a job. So if you're looking to find a new role, probably the first thing you you would probably do is you know become more active on LinkedIn and job boards. Why, why does everybody use LinkedIn, Scott? The, the question you probably should be asking is why are more and
1: more people using LinkedIn? Do you know that way? Because actually, and maybe this is the millennial thing again, Terry, which we were touched on just earlier in this podcast, um, whereby... The millennials will naturally go to the internet and naturally go on to LinkedIn if they're looking for a job. Do you know that way? But actually, the more um, you know, the the aging population may not naturally go to LinkedIn because the number of searches I've looked for and I know the per- I know the people, and I'm trying to find them because I've, I've lost the contact details or whatever. and trying to find them on LinkedIn, um, and they're not on it. <laughs> do you know that way? So you're right though. Um, LinkedIn now is um, is the go to place, isn't it, from a business networking perspective? Yeah, I've got I've I, got mixed
0: I, thoughts. I, on it. I, I don't know how how do you find LinkedIn? I find it I find it okay. I mean, it was bought by Microsoft last year, as you know. So um, I think it'll only improve. I think it's a great tool on the basis that it's a professional network. What, yeah. You know, people stereotype. You know, see, so think think of Facebook. I if I. If I I don't know on Facebook that I'm probably more than nosy on Facebook and that's for all the sort of car things that I follow. So I've got a Subaru, which there's um, uh, specific uh, groups on Facebook where you get really good information and you get a lot of parts that are rare and you can buy them quite cheap because people are breaking their own cars. So I kind of use it for a personal side of things. I would never use it for work. Whilst LinkedIn, I look at it as more as a, as a work thing. I would use Twitter for mo- maybe more... I would never use it for work either, but I would use it for more latest news. Okay. Keeping so, uh, an eye on things. You know, yep. Aye, so if something happened or something like that, you could quickly... So say, right, you know, Federer's playing in the Australian Open. You know, you could actually find out the draw. You can search in Federer and see what the score is. You know, you don't need to go online or whatever. I'm just using that as a stereotype. example hope mm-hmm. he's literally playing today. Uh, you know, so to come back to why LinkedIn, so I see it as more of a professional network. It allows you to network with, you know, existing colleagues or previous colleagues. Yeah. It's a sort of, you know, and, and and actually in the back of your mind, it's an actual window for recruiters to reach out to you, whether that be internal recruiters within an organization or whether it be agency recruiters. It doesn't matter, but it's kind of putting yourself in the short window. And, it, and let's be honest, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It's always nice to get a wee headhunt message coming through. You know, because you naturally you feel wanted. You feel, you know, and and that's 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 how it works really really well. You know, at, at the end of the day, I get you know, get, Scott. I'm sure you get a lot of messages. You know, being that sort of top recruiter that you are. You know, and in the basis yeah, it is quite nice to get those messages. I think LinkedIn has got as. Definite purpose within the it allows, environment, and, and yeah, it, it's allowing
1: that access, isn't it? It's allowing you know people that may not well have been unless you had the phone number, unless you had the, the email address, or you, you stood outside the office knocking the door. You know, it allows an easier route in on the basis that you're part of the network to to, to actually get access to to that person, which yeah, is exactly. great, which is a good modern way exactly. of doing things. So, so a couple,
0: of, so that's how I kind of went through that, and and. So to answer the question on how do you maximise your social media presence, presence, I think it's key to remember, you know, one main thing, as I says, I kind of touched on there, you are putting yourself in a, you know, on a shop window in front of thousands of people to view. Therefore, there's a couple of things that are very, very important. Content is very important. It's very important that you're putting the time and effort in there and putting, you know, detail, detail, detail. Scott, what's your thoughts on that and, uh, you know, how much content is necessary? If you were looking for someone right now on LinkedIn for a particular role, kind of stands out to you the most compared to what probably would be? Yeah, and I guess this is where we, well,
1: you're you're similar as well for me, but I guess if we review what we, where we come from and I guess where others would be coming from, because of the variety of experience that we've been exposed to over the years. Do you know that way? We know roughly what a company will probably do, and we know roughly how that person will probably fit into an organisation and what their skill set is and what they're probably doing. So,
0: I said, so, so, firstly, so firstly, how do you know that? What does a person have to have in the profile to make that stand out? Okay, so in an ideal world, where, you know, if, if I didn't have the experience level I've
1: got, you'd be, you know, you would want to make sure I'd be looking for, yeah, names of company, size of company, that the the job profile, in essence, what I'm doing specifically. You know, so if I, if a recruiter is looking for someone with, I don't know, primavera experience, I've got that on my profile. Do you know that way? Because unless the the, the person that's trying to recruit for me knew that that company had Primavera, for example, then, you know, they, they wouldn't necessarily reach out to me. Do you know that way? So it's, it's, I guess it's around the detail piece, isn't it? Making sure that you're actually, this is what I'm capable of, this is what I'm all about, and this is what my shop window looks like.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's it's literally, think about it as, if you, you know, just put everything down. Do you find it useful, Scott, for people to copy and paste their CV? into the sort of job, job, job descriptions or the past descriptions of work where are people actually copy and paste that in? See, that's that's
1: a whole other kind of worms, Terry. You know I'm a bit old school that way. Um, One of the things of a CV, the, the type of person that probably do that is probably the same person that hasn't taken time to write their CV correctly which probably adds a whole other um you know not issues but certainly um you know because some people what they do is they they get a job profile copy the job profile and put that down as what they're doing now yes that is in essence what they are doing but actually when you review what you do on a daily basis and what you're actually involved in does that actually reflect the job profile you see so Tying into what you're saying there about on the LinkedIn profile should, so that your LinkedIn profile should be a fair reflection of what you are doing. Although, I guess it's reflective of the industry or the angle within the industry. So a design person, for example, will be completely different probably than a finance person. Do you know that way? Because actually their interests and their professional interests um, will be different. Um, and a design person may want to highlight some of the product development that they've been doing and sharing accordingly, whereas a finance person may be, you know, more interested in some of the economists' articles and so on. Do you know that way? So there's a lot of differences depending on the job profile and I guess the role that we're looking for.
0: Yeah, and I think you know it's all very well getting all this content into your profile and whatever else, because what it does, it will throw up keywords. People will be able to search you quicker. However. When you, when, you know, when we are doing a search on LinkedIn for individuals for a particular role, we don't see that full profile straight away. So, that, so I think you know, taking one step back on that. So, what, what we've done is we get good content in there, which is keywords, which allows you to be found by recruiters. But actually, what's really important is that your main subject line is uh, a resemblance to exactly what you're doing, um, not just master of the universe. Or whatever, you know, I've seen these things before. Homeworker or uh, looking for a new opportunity, that's fine, right? Looking for a new opportunity. However, don't just put that in as a sub subject. Put in your 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 past job title your current job title, i.e. technical manager of Coca Cola, you know, engineering manager of Pepsi. Dash looking for a new challenge, looking for a new opportunity. So actually that recruiter can look at it and go, all oh, right. Bang on, technical manager for Coca Cola. I'm actually recruiting the technical manager for Pepsi. You beauty, like, let us contact this person because I'm looking for a new role right now. And the other most important thing from that as well is is a professional image. What I, you know, what what necessarily? What I would say is it's a professional network. You know, it's not necessarily we want to see somebody somebody with um, you know, sitting and with football colours on or. You know, yeah. a, a, a drunken night or whatever else, because it automatically gives a bad impression. And and you know, I, you know, end of day, I'm, I I don't mind saying all this because literally, you know, it's the reality of the world. You know, if you seen that in Facebook? You wouldn't think two things about it because it's a it's a it's a personal network and all that sort of stuff. But actually, from a work side of things, you know, doesn't it's not too hard to get a really good image up there. You know, you, the phones these days are amazing. You know, get someone at work to take a picture job done, put it up there. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's... it's, I think that's that's the point, isn't
1: it? It's it's having a profile that is reflective of the individual and also of the industry and the job that they're doing. Do you know that way? So, for example, if you were Ronald McDonald, right, sitting in a suit, would that be a fair... Is that what you're looking for? Probably not. Do you know that way? Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, 100%, so it's, it's trying to it's it's trying to find the balance. So are we saying everyone should be sitting there suited and booted with you know with a lucky tie on? And probably not. And it's just trying to find something that, that's reflective that you think is the person reflective of the job, and actually the person as an individual, because everyone's different, and that's where um that's why you know um, it's such a useful tool.
0: Exactly. And the last Piece of advice from myself and Scott is so you've got that fantastic profile. You're now getting found by recruiters, etc., etc. People are getting in contact. with you' great, that's great. But actually, what you you can actually do something, and you could be far more proactive. And the way to do that is actually to build your network connections. The more network connections you have, the more people can see your posts that you're putting on LinkedIn. Therefore, the more visibility that you have, your wider network. And if you're making regular posts, when I say regular posts, if you're doing it a couple of times a week, you know, and putting a post up there about what you're currently doing in your current role or achievements that I've done, you've just achieved BRCA star or whatever, you know, Tesco audit, or maybe the fact is you've just secured two million pounds of business, you know, from a big fabrication company, or you've just won a major contract with Rolls-Royce or whatever that might be, then actually what you're doing is you're planting seeds in people's minds. But in order to do that, you need to build up your network. So what I would say is if you do a quick search into Google and you put in manufacturing influencers 2018 or 2017 even, what you'll get is you'll get a list of people who are regarded as the most influential people in manufacturing and put in the UK as well. So in the UK in 2017, that way, if you go in and connect with these people on LinkedIn, I'm sure these people have massive networks. Therefore, that actually opens up their network to become a second degree to you. And actually, the more you do that, you're actually getting a bigger scope where you can connect with more people, more people that are relevant within your sector. What we also look at is the certain type of businesses that you want to work for and actually connect with the key individuals that can be possibly your hiring manager going forward or someone that owns that business. Therefore, you're putting yourself back in the shop window. And then that all goes back nicely to where we were at the start. You've got to make sure you've got a good, up-to-date profile that's detailed, that's going to scream what you do, yeah. um, and where you want to go as a career. You want a professional, a media in there that shows you uh, as an individual, and also you want a good subject line where you're catching the eyes of, whether it be the hiring manager or a recruiter or an internal recruiter, whatever that might be. And in order to do all that, you need to put yourself in front of the shop window. And that, that way is to connect to as many relevant people as possible and keep it relevant. Don't connect with everybody in MD. you know. Keep it relevant to the sector that you're in. And that way, you will have a social media presence that is maximised to develop your career and look for that next career opportunity. Yeah, and it may well help you actually
1: from your existing role as well because you're 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 sharing, you've got you're you're connected with like-minded individuals, aren't you, within your industry? That
0: was good, Scott. Um, you think? Wrap up that recruitment. Yeah, I think that recruitment minute there. I'm I'm I feel as if I've had a can of Red Bull after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to
1: go and find uh, I need to try that I need to do the Iron the Ironbury challenge definitely we should do that let's see if we can taste the difference between the old and the new I'm going to do it right, well, uh, 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 like,
0: okay. we'll do that later let's what? do that later i aye okay. okay okay well we've got that meeting we'll try it before then um, so for everyone tuning in, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. We do appreciate the support. And I think we were number two manufacturing podcast on iTunes. Number two? A couple of weeks back. Come on. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's pretty amazing considering. Uh, so, but you know what I think about second best? Come on. Oh, yeah, it'd be great if everyone can share and whatever else. We'd love to get to first place and kind of set ourselves in the manufacturing realms of of iTunes history Um, and it allows us to continue to to promote manufacturing on a wider scale and it's only beneficial for us all. So any questions at all um, please pop us an email at scott at recruitment.com or terry at bonfirerecruitment.com Thanks for listening and
1: sorry Terry just for cutting over here but one of the things we might want to highlight is our Twitter you touched on your
0: Twitter feed earlier so you might want to see what it is we're at bonfire recruit so most of our social media platforms whether it be facebook twitter etc is at bonfire recruit you can also follow us on a company page have you gone to and sorry on linkedin you can go into linkedin search bonfire recruitment um and that's where me and scott continually post the latest news yeah. every day i think we you know we try and do about five or six between us every day so you'll be kept up to date with the latest news yeah, that was very good, Scott. I quite like that oh, actually. No, it's just um, yeah, it's just it's
1: obviously we're, we're you know it's relevant because I think we are we we like certainly well we we are part of the the, the manufacturing community. Do you know that way? And I think it's it's exactly you know it's acting in the advice that we're giving out and that we you know we're keen to be part of the network and certainly keen to share views and have opinions and so on as well. So yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get the word spread. Yeah. Good. Okay
0: think we'll wrap it up there guys thanks very much for listening as always uh please tune in next week for another latest news another hot topic and our recruitment advice over and out for for today scott see you later terry